This podcast is brought to you by MediShare, affordable and biblical health care sharing. Visit MediShare.com slash unpacking it. You deserve affordable, reliable health care. It's MediShare. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast. A show that brings meaning and purpose to the fantasy season. It's our hope to help you win your league. But more importantly, we want to encourage you in your faith. Together, we'll unpack fantasy, faith, and life. Now, from his mic to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. This is the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast presented by MetaShare. Together, we'll unpack fantasy, faith, and life. I'm Bryce Johnson with Harrison Zuckerberg, and we are your fantasy coaches here to encourage you and help you win while finding meaning and purpose throughout the fantasy season. We won't always be right. But we hope we'll be convincing. We got a few things right from uh, last week and from the offseason. We'll get into all of that. We also got some things wrong, and we will do that on the show as well during our segment we call accountability. We, we've got accountability here, so we'll let you know where we where we missed uh, heading into week one. It's only one week, but man, it was fun. Football is back, and can't wait to talk all about it today. Uh, I'm coming to you from the Unpacking It Ministries studio in Charlotte, North Carolina. We're part of the Unpacking It podcast network and encourage you to subscribe to this show. Uh, anywhere podcasts are found, just search Fantasy Football Fellowship and, and make sure you subscribe uh, to the show and rate, review, and share. Uh, we always appreciate it. All right, during the show today, lots of fantasy talk. Also, each week we do a breakout and basically, we take a fantasy concept, parallel it to the Bible and our own lives. And today, we're going to talk about perspective. And, and so, what is our perspective on fantasy football? What is the lens that we, we view certain players and teams? And then, what is the, the, the perspective that we have on life? And what, what is the lens that we use to view circumstances and to view relationships and work? And, and so, we'll, we'll take a look at that today as well encourage you to check out fantasyfootballfellowship.com if you haven't become a member yet uh we hope that you will uh it's only ten dollars for the whole season you'll get access to our fantasy content our faith and fantasy content uh devotionals and videos and challenges and questions and everything's designed for leagues to use fantasy football fellowship throughout the season have league meetings and Grow, encourage one another, challenge one another throughout the year. So check out fantasyfootballfellowship.com. I do want to thank our presenting sponsor, MediShare. If you're looking for an affordable, reliable healthcare option that you can trust, check out MediShare today. MediShare.com slash unpacking it. MediShare has options for you that can be custom to you and your family. And so figure out if it's the right fit. The best part? Members, on average, save 50% or more on their health care costs. So if you want to save money and be a part of a, a great organization, check out MediShare.com slash unpacking it. 
my family, we've been members for over six years and are proud to be a part of MetaShare. So metashare.com slash unpacking it. All right, Harrison, it was a wild week one. It involved an, multiple overtime games, rain, wild fantasy uh, players coming out of nowhere, big catches that that helped certain players kind of go up the board on, on, on rankings for, for week one. And then we also saw disappointments. And then we also saw the, the guys that we expected to be awesome were awesome, especially the wide receiver position, which we'll talk about later as well. But Harrison, how you feeling? What was your overall reaction to week one? Week one was great on Sunday because everyone who I had playing on Sunday was performing. They were doing awesome, except for, you know, a few players that can be expected. But coming in today, I am super discouraged after last <laughs> night because I was in a league where I needed around 20 points to win my game. And I had Javante Williams and the Denver defense going. I was like, you know what? This is going to be a lot. Javante Williams is going to have a great game. Denver's probably going to force some turnovers against Geno Smith. And it was shaky early. Denver was giving up a lot of points, but they, they kind of held them at that 17 mark. They fought back. They became resilient. And Javante Williams looked great. 11 receptions, nice. was super involved. But it came down to the final drive. And I needed two points on that final drive from Javante Williams. He gets one catch for about 10 yards. I'm down to 0.4 points away from winning. <laughs> and Denver decides to let the clock run all the way down and attempt a 60-plus yard field goal instead of putting the ball in the hands of Russell Wilson and trying to go for it and make it a little bit more manageable of a kick. I end up losing by 0.4. Oh. A lot of things went wrong in that game. A Javante Williams fumble on the one-yard line. Denver not going on fourth down in the red zone earlier and choosing to kick a field goal, which, again, made no sense. It was a terrible game management-wise. I mean, Nathaniel Hackett coming over from Green Bay, not the best game uh, to start out when you have, you know, I, maybe 20 penalties. I don't even know how many penalties they had last night. Could barely get the snap off. Two bad field goal decisions, taking the ball out of the quarterback who you just sent away your half your team and future draft picks for to get, not letting him have a chance in the fourth quarter. And all on top of that, there was a fantasy loss for me by 0.4 points. So I'm not feeling great this morning, but hopefully uh, this week can be a little bit better. Man, that's a tough way to get things going week one. I, I hate that for you. And, and at the same time, it speaks to the fun and the excitement that we get to experience because a lot of our matchups can come down to Monday night football at the very end. And so I'm sure a lot of people listening can relate to that. And actually, I didn't have a lot of uh, tight matchups this week. They were either decided one way or the other. Overall, had a very strong week. Feel, feel great uh, about kind of where I stand. The, the one big thing for me, before the games began, I did everything I could to try to trade Eli Mitchell. I had, I had a feeling. Remember a few weeks ago, we talked about gut feelings. I had this gut feeling about Eli Mitchell that I didn't want him on my team this year. And the only reason that he was on my team is because I picked him up last year and then I kept him for a cheap price. That was why I kept him. But I wanted to move him and I was unable to do so. And then, of course, he gets injured, four points, and, and now I don't get to, to, to benefit from moving on from him. I just get to move him to my IR spot. Very disappointing there. Uh, I will say, though, I, I'm thrilled with the running back situation. And if, if you listen to this show, I am a running back guy. I like to start my drafts running back, running back, sometimes even one more running back. And I'm thrilled that Javante Williams looked great, other than the fumble and missed opportunity in the end zone. He'll, he'll clean that up. He'll be fine. 
but he he looked great. AJ Dillon, phenomenal. DeAndre Swift. Don't vulture me, uh, Jamal Williams. I've had enough of Jamal Williams already, but Swift looked great. And, and so I'm, I'm feeling good with, with those guys. Uh, and then I, I will say in the Unpacking It Fantasy League, uh, Aaron Rodgers scored two points. Cole Komet scored zero. Yet I still got the victory because of Saquon Barkley, Gabe Davis, Cooper Cup, uh, and A.J. Dillon. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. Um, and then uh, the one other fantasy shenanigan from the, uh, from the weekend. I, I made the mistake yet again. I'm in a league with kickers and defenses. And I don't like leagues with kickers and defenses. And so, of course, week one, I already lost. It, and a big part of it is because the Panthers' defense scored zero points. Zero. So to have a goose egg from your defense is never a good thing. So disappointed by that. And uh, it's the one league I'm not the commissioner in. And so normally I always eliminate defenses and kickers. And, and if we should all be feeling this about kickers from the weekend. I mean, a lot of missed kicks. Everybody's disappointed by the kicker situation. Unless you're a Cleveland Browns fan. Then you're loving life. And, and your rookie got to kick one and beat my Panthers, uh, which was disappointing. But each week, as we do this show, we will uh, we'll share a couple fun things from our, our own fantasy leagues. We'd love to hear your fantasy shenanigans. What were some of the tight matchups that you were in? How did you, how did you win? How did you lose in, in this previous week? And then also, we will start off our show with accountability. Where we went wrong. Maybe something we said on this show or something we, we believed in the offseason that we were wrong, at least for week one and and so Harrison why don't you get us started where, where do you feel like you missed the most and and your most uh regretful this morning uh re regarding uh, a miss it was just week one and usually it takes time for rookies to get involved so I guess we'll see as the season goes on but I'm feeling a little bit discouraged about Brees Hall I had a big take that he was a super talented running back he was going to take over the Jets backfield we shouldn't be worried about Michael Carter but Michael Carter looked like the guy in the Jets running back week one against the Ravens. He was getting majority of the touches. Brees Hall still had an okay game, but not the superstar expectation that some people had drafting him in the earlier rounds of the draft. So I think as the season goes on, he will build. But right now, that's my accountability of, I thought he was going to come out the gate hot. Ravens have a good defense, but I still thought he was going to be more involved than he was. And, and I'll go with Travis Etienne, who technically is in his second season, but it was his first game. And you could see the talent and he had some opportunities. And if a couple things broke his way, he would have had a monster day, but unfortunately they didn't. And, and so my perspective, we'll talk about perspective later is that ETN is going to be fine. Uh, but it was disappointing. I've been all in on Travis ETN. I have him in multiple leagues. I talked about him a lot in the off season and I'm, I'm still in on Jacksonville. It was week one, Doug Peterson. I'm not panicking in, in regards to Trevor Lawrence or anybody. I mean, Christian Kirk was great. So I think there's still enough there. I maybe hoped Evan Ingram would get off to a great start, but he was okay. He was fine. A couple couple catches here and there. Um, so there's some potential. But then James Robinson, wow, what a day for him. Um, there's a lot of hype for him. I still think him and, and Travis Etienne will, will be good together. So I, I think they'll complement each other. Uh, but I but I do need to be accountable to uh, to Travis Etienne for, for one week. And then also, both of us love Cole Komet. Big zero week one. Uh, so... I'm not going to look into it too much because it rained. All right. So let's basically throw that game out. You're excited. You're not going to throw it out because your, your bears got a W, but, uh, but, but Cole Komet, not a great day for him. And I would even say with um, Trey Lance, let's not make any big judgments. It, it's a rainy day. Please pump the brakes on, on Trey Lance uh, criticism. Um, 
So there you go. There's a little bit of accountability. I think we both were wrong on Allen Robinson. Uh, any thoughts on him going back to Thursday night? Again, I think that was just a complete disaster for the Rams overall. So I think he will rebound as the season goes on. Um, you know, I just don't think the chemistry was there between him and Matthew Stafford yet. And once you get down a lot, Matthew Stafford just started throwing to Cooper Cup. Every single play wasn't looking anywhere else. So I think in more favorable game scripts, Allen Robinson will do better this season. The key, he was open. He was open. So he's got to find him. He knows how to get open. So that's the key. All right, let's do a little uh, woulda, coulda, shoulda. And, and maybe some some dumb lineup decisions that that you made and I made, and then also guys that that we wish we would have drafted. And and we did this last week as well, but now that we've actually seen a, a week of action, it confirms what I said last week. I wanted AJ Brown. I desperately wanted AJ Brown, and he caught ten of his thirteen targets, one hundred and fifty five yards. Philadelphia's offense was as good as we had hoped. Uh, Detroit made that a, a fun game, a tough game. Uh, but A.J. Brown is going to just have a monster, monster season, and I'm not going to benefit from it. So hopefully you as a listener, you added him to your your, your team uh, during the draft and your, your love and life. Um, the what the, the, the could have, should have for me too, I left Rashad Bateman on the bench. So that was a bummer. And then I got so caught up in watching the games on Sunday that I left Alan Lazard, who the Packers – frustratingly left him as doubtful until the very last minute. Just make him out so that I can move him to the IR spot and then pick up somebody. But I did not capitalize on that and was very frustrated by that. That was disappointing. Uh, what about for you? For me as a draft pick that I overlooked and probably shouldn't have is Cordero Patterson. And I feel like the whole fantasy community yes. overlooked him because Guilty. we thought he caught lightning in a bottle last year. You know, is he still going to be used as a running back this year? What's going to happen with Mariota coming in? And he was still the guy for them, probably something we should have expected. Um, so I'm sad now that I completely passed over him in the in the mid rounds as a backup or even flex running back. And then a decision that I made, I have two decisions that kind of faulted me. But the first one was I started Dawson Knox over Gerald Everett because I wanted someone to watch in the first game of the season on Thursday. Oh, I originally had Gerald Everett in my lineup as my tight end one. I was like, you know what? I want someone to watch on Thursday night football to start the season off. Let's put in Dawson Knox. And he only had 1.5 points where Gerald Everett had 14.4, and I would have won that game if I had started Gerald Everett instead of Dawson Knox. And then my second one is Michael Thomas. I left him on my bench in the leagues that I had him because I wanted to see the proof first that he could still perform. I didn't want to just start and you know, get a goose egg because maybe yeah. he wasn't ready. But he came out and he performed. Two touchdowns, had a great game. He was unstoppable towards the end of the game when they really needed to come back and were throwing the ball a lot. I think... I mean, even though I'm disappointed I didn't have him in my lineup this week, I'm happy that I feel now I have a for sure top 20 wide receiver who I took in the seventh and eighth rounds of a lot of drafts. So some people will have the perspective with Atlanta and New Orleans that, oh, wow, these teams might be better than, than we thought. A lot of, lot of scoring, a lot of good fantasy production. My perspective is they both stink, and this they just stunk together, and so a bunch of people got to score. So I'm still not buying in on New Orleans and Atlanta. Um, so we'll talk about uh, Kyle Pitts a little bit later if we're, we're panicking on him because he's the one guy that didn't necessarily have a big day that we would expect in that matchup to have a big day. Um, but I will say, Marcus Mariota looked all right. So we'll, we'll give him a little, little bit of love as he's been a backup for, for the last few years anyway. Um, all right, let's get to... 
that's what I'm talking about. Who are some players that you're feeling good? You feel like, all right, I, I got that right. I'm glad I have him on my team. Uh, I've already mentioned for me, DeAndre Swift, AJ Dillon, Javante Williams. Uh, the one receiver that I was most excited about heading into the season, Michael Pittman. And, and week one, even though the Colts struggled for a while, their studs, Pittman and Taylor, showed up and, and did great. So uh, very excited about Pittman. And I think he'll even outperform where people drafted him. He was, he was picking up some momentum during fantasy drafts, but I think he'll even be better than that. So very excited about that. Who, uh, who are some guys for you? For me, it's obviously got to be Saquon. You know, I thought he was going to be an unbelievable pick this year, and the Giants were going to make him the entire offense that he was fully recovered, and that's exactly what happened. He looked great. They gave him opportunities, and he performed amazingly for fantasy. And then the second guy was Rashad Bateman, who I took in a lot of leagues as, you know, a flex third wide receiver. We wanted to see if the connection was there for Lamar Jackson. He wasn't featured a ton because the Ravens were up and in control of the Jets for most of the game. But he had a huge deep ball from Lamar Jackson. He looked great, looked explosive. So I'm excited to see how he's going to be moving forward with an already pretty solid stat line week one. Yeah, I, I like I like baby. It wasn't against the Jets, but uh, mm -hmm. and I'm glad I sold on the Jets. So I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling good about that as well. Um, let's let let's get to a few overreactions, and I would love to hear from the listeners as well. Uh, what are you, in what ways are you overreacting? Uh, are you, you, you holding yourself back from overreacting? I, I think for, for me, um, the one team that I'm, I'm not overreacting on the green Bay Packers, I'm still bought in it's week one. He's still Aaron Rodgers, And I, the one guy that I do have is Romeo dubs. And, and so I feel good about him. He got five targets. You know, I, he's got an opportunity to emerge. I do have Alan Lazard. He didn't play week one, but I'm still I'm still in on Green Bay. They're going to lean heavily on Dylan and, and Aaron Jones for sure. Uh, but I'm not I'm not overreacting that that Green Bay's offense is a disaster. Do you agree or disagree? I'm going to disagree with you on this one. And I think, you know, we want to trust that it's Aaron Rodgers and they're going to figure things out. But honestly, I don't think this is a problem with Aaron Rodgers at this point. I think this is a problem with the head coach, Matt LaFleur, and not being able to get it done from an execution standpoint. We look at the offensive coordinator and QB coach, Nathaniel Hackett and Luke Getze, both left in the offseason. So it's just LaFleur now in that offensive room as like the one, you know, big brain guy there who everyone thinks is an offensive genius. But, you know, everyone wants to put this on. Aaron Rodgers didn't have his weapons. He still had Aaron Jones, who only got five carries. Where was Aaron Jones in the game plan against the Vikings? And not talking about wide receiver weapons, Luke Getze, who left, became the Bears offensive coordinator and they were balling out with Equiminius St. Brown and Dante Pettis, who haven't been on NFL rosters for the last two years, catching 40-yard touchdowns in the rain with yeah. Justin Fields. So if they can figure it out with those weapons and you can't figure it out with, you know, Aaron Rodgers, arguably, you know, the most talented quarterback of all time and Pro Bowl running backs and A.J. Dillon and good tight end Robert Tunyon, what are you doing? Where's the execution on offense? You know, you have an amazing quarterback. I think, I know, it, it, we, can't, we can't doubt Aaron Rodgers. We can't get too worked up about this. But I honestly think this could be the year where it all falls apart for Green Bay. Minnesota looked really good. Yes, I agree. And, you know, if they don't win the playoffs this year, I could see LaFleur being gone at the end of the year. And oh, one funny on. little anecdote come I have on, on that, I, 
I mean, he has. They fired Mike McCarthy after taking him to the playoffs, but not being able to win a Super Bowl. So it's not crazy to think. Wow. Aaron Rodgers had an interview with Barstool Sports this weekend, and the reporter asked him, "Would you fire your head coach?" And he's like, "Yeah, I would." And then, and then they, the reporter asked him, "He's like, well, would you put it in good word for him somewhere else?" He said, "I guess, yeah, sure." It's like, I, 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 he could be joking, but I feel like with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, part of him actually believes that he would fire his coach at the end of the season if it all goes south. So I do not have a lot of hope for the Packers. That may be because I'm a Bears fan, but if we as the Bears, the miserable, pathetic Bears, can figure it out, you should be able to figure it out too. So that's a red flag if you can't. All right, here, here's my theory too. So I'm a big NBA fan. You are too. LeBron James, he plays these mind games with his teammates, and he'll, like, hold back. Like, LeBron could score on every play. He can dominate games whenever he wants. And he still can do it, even at this age. But he doesn't always do it. He kind of – he just toys with teams. I think Aaron Rodgers is doing the same thing. I think he he's holding back a little bit. He's trying to motivate these receivers. He's trying to figure out, all right, who's going to be tough? Like, he and, – and I don't know how he's doing – but he's just he's just – he's always playing mind games. He plays mind games with all of us, as fans, and media. When Rodgers wants to turn it on, he will. He'll, he'll figure it out. And, and, and a couple of these guys will emerge. I mean, Christian Watson, that was a big-time play. He dropped the ball. So I think things could have gone either way this weekend. You know, Javante Williams missed out on a touchdown. Travis Etienne, like I mentioned. You know, these guys, like, those plays, they might work in three weeks, and now all of a sudden they're heroes. So we, we have to, to brace ourselves for that to, or, or be patient with some of these guys as well that are young young players. Um, so anyway, that's my, that's my take on the, the Packers. Uh, I will say – I am out on the Titans, like I said, before the season. So that confirmed that. We were worried about the Patriots. I'm still worried about the Patriots. There's no question about that. And then we'll uh, we'll get to the breakout. But but Harrison, why don't you give me your you're, – you're in the Dallas area. And so you hear from a lot of Cowboys fans. Are you overreacting? Are fans overreacting? What, what, what's the, what's the, the take on – is Dak – maybe he's only going to be gone for a few weeks – or eight weeks, we don't know. It's still up in the air. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this as as quietly and softly and and nicely as I can to all the Cowboys fans out there because you haven't won really anything in a long time. So <laughs> I know it's really tough for you guys, but your season is over. I'm Uh-oh. I'm extremely sorry, but your season is over. There was only one team in the NFL this week that didn't score a touchdown week one, and that was the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys. And now you lose your starting quarterback, Dak Prescott, for I know Jerry Jones thinks he can be back in two weeks and that, you know, there's going to be a medical <laughs> miracle that happens here. But he's going to be out for six to eight weeks, no matter what Jerry Jones thinks is going to happen. And you guys are not going to make the playoffs this year and you are not going to be a good football team. The offense is worse than last year. The defense is worse than last year. You're probably going to be a very average team this year. And for fantasy, I'm avoiding all Cowboys players. CeeDee Lamb, I'm sorry the breakout's not going to happen. Tony Pollard, you know, maybe next year. And one more thing with, with Tony Pollard. I'm in Dallas. I'm hearing everyone blame this, you know, downfall week one on Ezekiel Elliott and that Tony Pollard needs to get in and Zeke should be sent to the bench. Tony Pollard, talented player, had six carries for eight yards. <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott had 10 carries for 50 yards. I'm not sure if the entire loss on the Cowboys falls on Zeke's shoulders. I think there might be some deeper issues there in the offense than just Ezekiel Elliott. So 
give Ezekiel Elliott a break. You know, he's not the greatest in the world, but just because your team is pathetic and you can't win a playoff game or ever get over the hump does not mean it's Ezekiel Elliott's fault. Wow. Wow. That's strong. The only cowboy I have is Tony Pollard. And then I, I did have Jalen Tolbert in one league, but he didn't even play uh, week one. So he's, he's a non-factor. Uh, but I'm still I'm still holding on Pollard. I, I got to see I, maybe Cooper Rush. He he might find uh, Pollard a little bit more out of the backfield. As I got to wait and see on that. Uh, but thankfully, I don't have any other Cowboys, so I'm good to go there. All right, we'll we'll hear from Harrison uh, a little bit more uh, coming up. We still got to share what we're convinced of. We'll still play peace, panic, or partial concern with a number of players that had a tough week one that didn't perform like we expected them to. But but right now. Uh, we, we do this each week. We, we call it our, our weekly breakout where I take a, a fantasy concept, parallel it to the Bible, to our own lives. And, and you can read these uh, on our website, fantasyfootballfellowship.com. You can then discuss the topic with your league during league meetings. So, uh, so check that out, fantasyfootballfellowship.com. And today I want to talk about perspective. And so when it comes to fantasy football, you know, Harrison and I, we just shared our perspective on what we saw over the weekend. And amazingly, you know, we can watch the same games, the same players and have different perspectives or, or kind of what we focus on or what we dwell on or, or, or what we uh, kind of cling to is, is different. And, and you listening, you, you have, have a different perspective on, on some of these different fantasy players and some of these teams. And, and it's always fascinating, like going into the season during drafts, this is the case uh, when we each of us look at the waiver wire, we're going to have a different perspective on, on some of these players. Um, and so that's what makes it so intriguing and, and fun. Now, what I want to talk about today is, you know, just kind of considering what is our perspective in life? What, what is the lens that we look through when it comes to decision making? You know, what is our perspective on marriage and relationships what is our perspective on on work what what is our perspective on the things in the world that are really tough the, the, the bad things in the world and and all this stuff all around us and, and the negativity what's our perspective on it and what is contributing to that perspective and and what what are we choosing to you know think about dwell on focus on when it comes to all the different things that that we see and view throughout our day you know, are we, do we, do we have the perspective, uh, when, when things go wrong in our own lives that, that God is good, that he's faithful, that we can trust him or is our perspective, oh no, everything's terrible. Life is the worst. And I give up, you know, and maybe that's dramatic, but, but those are, those are the types of you know decisions that we have. What, what, what's our perspective. And, and so really it comes down to, do we view things biblically or do we view things selfishly and, and through the lens of the world, through the lens of culture, through the lens of media, or is it through the lens of what God says, who God is, and what he's done for us and, and what, what he continues to do in us and through us? Is, is, that, is that the perspective that we're choosing? And, and so, um, you know, the way that we live is, is definitely, and the decisions that we make, is that's it, affected by our perspective. And so it, it, how we talk, how we act, how we handle circumstances, it, it determines and reflects what our minds are focused on. 
and and what our approach is, what our perspective is, and and are we truly you know living in a way that that pleases God? That's our perspective. You know, we wake up every day and say, my perspective, my desire is to please God, to follow His way, or is my perspective? I just want to make as much money as possible. I want to do whatever I want to do. I want to you know just see how the day goes. You know, all that kind of thing. Um, and so you know, it's challenging to consider the reality of that daily mindset. And, and if the Bible, prayer, and, and our community around us is giving us that eternal perspective, then, man, we can approach the day with such optimism and hope and peace because that's what we have in, in Jesus. When we surrender our lives to him, he gives us peace. He is peace. And, and so we can rest in him. And, and so you know, the other alternative is we focus on the temporary. We focus, our perspective is, is always dwelling on the, the unfulfilling things of life and, and things that are just so uh, momentary a, as well and, and, and versus that eternal perspective, the things that God says matter, the things that last, the, the things that uh, contribute to a, a genuine Christ-like authentic character um, and living like him and, and becoming more like him. And, and so Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And, and so in, in Philippians 4, 8, it tells us, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And so our perspective on, on fantasy football, it affects our season. The things that we think about, the things that we focus on, it affects the decisions that we make throughout the fantasy season. And, and the perspective, though, that we choose each day affects our lives here and eternity. And, and, and are we going to trust God today? Are we going to allow uh, him to, to, to influence and, and affect the, the choices that we make and how we view uh, the relationships and the people that we encounter e each day. And, and so since our behavior displays our perspective, we must decide if we want to think and live for the now or in, 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 and also the choice is, do we choose to live in view of an immeasurable hope that is only found in Jesus? And the other thing that we could talk about, we could go on, on and on about this, is how our perspectives can change. And Jesus changes our perspective. And so you know, a lot of us, our fantasy perspectives have changed even from a few weeks ago because we, we've gained more experience and, and knowledge. Well, the same is true as we grow and mature in, in, in following Jesus and understanding God's word, our perspectives on things are going to change. Our perspective on what we watch and fill our minds with will change. Our, our perspective on, on marriage will change. And, and okay, wow, marriage is, is an opportunity for me to become more and more like Jesus, to die to myself every day, to sacrifice for my wife, and, 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 and my, perspective, my perspective has changed over the years. Um, and so same with be, being a dad and all these things and, and how we view work. Jesus changes and re renews our mind and changes our perspective and, and how we view things. Um, but we have to know him, experience him. And like we, like we talked about in those verses, fix our eyes on him. Fix our eyes on what's true, what's eternal. Uh, things that are above, not on earth. Things that are eternal, not temporary. Um, 
So that's the encouragement for us today uh, to continue to, to seek him and, and allow that to be our, our lens. How we view the world is through the fact that Jesus came to earth. He died on the cross. He rose again. And he calls us to, to live with him both now and for eternity. He forgives us, gives us salvation and an eternal life. And so we can, we can cling to that and rest in that uh, today. So there you go. That's today's breakout uh, on perspective. What is your perspective? Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, you can leave your comments wherever you're listening. Uh, you can also uh, email me, Bryce, at unpackingit.com. Uh, you can go read more about this uh, on fantasyfootballfellowship.com and become a member today. All right, Harrison, we'll jump back into uh, some fantasy reaction and, and analysis today. And I'm curious, uh, is there something that you're convinced of today or, or maybe a player or, or a team that, they, based on week one, it, it convinced you of, of something? I'm convinced that backup running backs, even if they aren't the surefire starter, are going to be extremely valuable this year in fantasy. We've seen the trend of people using running back by committee. And even though we don't want that as a fantasy owner, we want the guy who's going to get 20 touches a game. I think guys like Jamal Williams, Daryl Henderson, your guy, AJ Dillon, guys who may not have sole control of the backfield are going to be extremely valuable, even if their starter don't get injured. You know, a lot of people weren't wanting to take DeAndre Swift in the first round this year or high up because, you know, Jamal Williams is going to vulture carries and, and vulture touchdowns from him. But then no one drafted Jamal Williams, even though they thought he was going to have production. And then he comes out week one and has two touchdowns. You know, everyone wanted Cam Akers to do great. And everyone, you know, just threw aside Daryl Henderson because Cam Akers was the new shiny toy coming back from injury. But Daryl Henderson is going to be involved in the offense. So I think guys who, you know, they may not put up 25-point weeks, but can consistently score you 10 to 15 points as a backup running back who could possibly be in your flex, I think they're going to be extremely valuable this year. I'm right there with you. I'm a running back guy, so I'm, I'm always focused. That's my perspective. Running backs win fantasy leagues, and, and so uh, I'm always keeping, a, keeping an eye on who's the next guy. So we'll give some waiver wire pickups, uh, who, who's the next running back to, to pop and get that opportunity um, so I like to load my bench up with, with backup running backs. Um, I want to find kind of two stud receivers, three, and then kind of one backup. And then the rest of that phew, running back, running back, running back, baby. All right. With that said, here's what I'm convinced. I'm convinced of the elite wide receivers were pretty clear in the off season. Like, ah, these are probably the top five wide receivers. They all, they all came through week one. It's unbelievable how, how every single one hit. Jefferson, bam, Adams, bam, Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, Stefan Diggs. Wow. These guys, these guys were absolute studs. A lot of them went in the first round, early second round, and you're loving life. So I always go running back early, but man, if you win wide receiver, you're feeling good after week one. I don't know if those guys can always win in the final weeks of the season when the, 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 the snow starts coming down. That's why during the fantasy playoffs, I rely on running backs. But week one, when the sun is shining everywhere else but uh, Chicago, uh, you're you're uh, feeling you're feeling good. So those were the clear cut guys this year. Throw in AJ Brown, um, Michael Pittman, and and we've got some stud receivers, no question about it. So that's what I'm convinced of today. All right, Harrison, let's do a little peace or panic, and then this year 
I'm throwing in another P word, partial concern. So, so that kind of puts us in the middle. Um, but let's begin with, let's see, who is the most panicked? Uh, people are panicking in, in Dallas. We just had a, a listener comment and say, hey, should I trade uh, CD Lamb? Uh, I, I, so I'll let you answer this. And I, I think based on your take earlier, uh, I know the answer to that. So panic for CD Lamb, so or do you have peace? I am panicked for CD Lamb, but not to the point where you know you should drop him or or not start him. He was drafted to be a wide receiver one. I don't think he's going to finish as that. He's probably more of a wide receiver two or three now. So if you want that in your lineup because you have other great receivers around him, I think that's perfectly fine. But if you were really going to rely on him and you aren't comfortable with him only putting up you know ten points a week now. I think you could totally trade him still. I think he still has values. There's probably a delusional Cowboys fan out there who will take him from you. And if you could trade CeeDee Lamb for another receiver who had a sort of down week one, like an Allen Robinson or a Cortland Sutton, someone who has a lot more upside in their offense because of the quarterback that they're attached to, I think that would be a great move. But I'm not saying by any means you have to get rid of him. I think he's still playable, but there's other guys that you could probably trade him for who are going to have a better season-long outlook. So for Austin Eckler, there's some concern. People took him top four pick last year. He was awesome. I'm a big Austin Eckler guy, and I still have peace. Even though he he, he carried the ball 14 times, 36 yards, four passes for 36 yards, he's going to be fine. This Chargers offense is fantastic. Justin Herbert had a big day, uh, especially with Keenan Allen banged up. Um, I was very clear in the offseason. I want Josh Palmer on my team. He did nothing. In, in week one. However, coming up on week two, go pick them up on waiver wires, go get them. And then also Austin Eckler will bounce back in a big way. I know you're, you're all in on Mike Williams. I'll go, I'll go kind of the opposite. Somebody's going to benefit. Everybody's going to feel good. Probably in LA. Uh, but I'll say Eckler and Palmer are the stars now this week. And it may be a little up and down at times because there are multiple weapons in, in LA and, you know, Gerald Everett, Getting get involved, I think he'll have some nice weeks. Is it going to be every week? Probably not, but but he'll be a, a solid back end, tight end one throughout the season. You, you'll be able to start him a lot of weeks. Um, so anyway, but but Austin Eckler, total peace. He'll be good to go. No worries there. All right, what about Najee Harris in Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh gets the win in overtime. Uh, Harris was okay, but banged up. Uh, are you panicking, Harrison? I'm not really panicking. I wasn't a huge fan of Najee Harris going into the season just because of I did not I didn't think the Pittsburgh offense was going to be that great. I know Mitch Trubisky very well from his time in Chicago. I don't think he's going to be leading a top NFL offense at any point in his career. So I think Najee Harris, you know, he went up against a really good run defense that the Cincinnati Bengals have. He wasn't super efficient, got banged up a little bit. I don't think the injury is too serious. They seem not to be very concerned about it. So he may be banged up for one week, but I think he'll be ready to go for the rest of the season. So I'm not too panicked on him. I think you're still going to get what you drafted. All right. So you mentioned Brees Hall earlier in the show, another rookie running back that had a lot of hype coming in, Damian Pierce. And 11 carries, 33 yards, just one target for, for six yards. And Rex Burkhead got a lot of action. And it was just this is a very... Interesting situation in Houston because Marlon Mack, who I kind of liked the possibility of him this year, he gets released. And I think he was on the practice squad. And now I don't even think he's there anymore. So they're buying into Rex Burkhead, at least after week one. I'm only partially concerned just because Houston, I, what are they doing? I don't know. It's just like, wait, what's happening here? 
But but I'd say for the most part, I, I I still feel good with Pierce. The problem is people overpaid for him. People that got him late in drafts, like the drafted right before the season started, you should be panicking because that that you didn't take a flyer on him. Like I took a flyer on him. He was my fifth running back, so I'm I'm fine. I'm good. Like if he's great, I'm I'm in good shape. If he's not, fine. Um, so that's why I'm kind of in the middle on him. But but I got to see I got to see them use him a little bit more because uh, Houston actually played well against Indy and he wasn't a part of it. So there is some, some partial concern uh, there. All right. Give me one more guy that, that had an off week one uh, and, and, and where, how you feel about him today. So one guy is Trey Lance and you know what? I just want to throw this start completely out the window for Trey Lance. He was playing in terrible conditions in Chicago. Couldn't even hold on to the ball at all. No one really knew what was happening. Starting running back goes out in the first, you know, half George Kittle, your top tight end, is not playing. I, I'm not really chalking this up to be too much for Trey Lance. I think he will bounce back in some some better weather at home in San Francisco next week and getting more of his playmakers back with him on offense. I think he'll be just fine for the season. I would not go drop him or do anything crazy in a league because he didn't have a top-end QB performance in his first you know real NFL start. And then I'll wrap up with this. I still have peace with Travis Etienne, Allen Robinson, and Aaron Rodgers. Talked about those guys earlier in the show, uh, but just wanted to uh, to remind you where I stand on those guys. All right, Harrison, it's week one, and everybody's looking at the, the, the team that they drafted. And this is one of the more uh, critical weeks on the waiver wire because – a lot of people can respond to or overreact to, to week one, drop players that, that end up getting picked up in a couple of weeks that end up winning leagues for people. Uh, I remember last year, uh, really, really the last two years, or let's see, last year was Eli Mitchell. A couple years ago was James Robinson. I mean, big time running backs that got picked up on the waiver wire. And, and so do you see a guy like that following week one? Who are you rushing out to get on the waiver wire? And you know, we can't look at everybody's roster as far as who you should let go of to go get these guys. Uh, but hopefully some of the other players that we talked about, not to panic on, on certain guys, don't start dropping those, those players. Uh, but how are you approaching the waiver wire this week? So one guy that I would rush out to get, even though I already have him on pretty much all of my teams, is Isaiah Pacheco, the running back for the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City got up early in this game. Even though Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had a great game, by the end of the day, Isaiah Pacheco led the team in carries and he led the team in rushing yards. A lot of that came in the second half once they were already winning, but he just showcased his talent. So even if he wasn't involved early on, maybe the coaching staff will go, oh, he was really efficient. We could really use him as a one-two punch, as a legitimate option with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. We know Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has been injury-prone as well so far in his career. So I think Isaiah Pacheco has a real shot to split work with him in a super high-powered offense. It looks like it's still going to be in Kansas City. And if anything happened, I mean, he could have a Kareem Hunt rookie season-type impact as being the guy there in Kansas City. So I would definitely have him on your roster. He should not be on waivers because if anything does happen, he you're not going to be able to get him. Uh, and then other running backs, you'll get Jeff Wilson and Tyrion Davis-Price for San Francisco – you know, Jeff Wilson looks like he should be the guy, but there's reports that, you know, Price can have a chance to earn that starting role this week in practice. So I would take, you know, probably put on in claims on either of them and see which one you can get in your league because San Francisco always has an effective running game. You're going to want a piece of it. We don't know which running back's going to be 
you know, the majority guy there, but I think having one on your roster is not a bad idea. So I'll disagree with you on that because I think they'll just run more with Debo, even though he doesn't want to, they'll just use him more and Lance will run more. So I, I, I don't want to play the guessing game in San Francisco, the, the waiver wire roulette with, with the 49ers. I, so I'm out on that run game at this point with, with Eli going down. Um, however, I am going to get Jalen Warren. So I, I want him. He's the backup in Pittsburgh. I'm worried about Najee. I mean, I, to me, the injuries are already piling up. And we, we, we were off on him. I, I wasn't on I don't. I don't have him in any leagues. Uh, but I'm intrigued enough. Pittsburgh was okay. So they like to run the ball. They, so, so if Harris does have to miss time, I want whoever the backup is. And Jalen Warren is that backup. So I'm willing to go to go get him. On the flip side, I'm not willing to go get Curtis Samuel. Please do not buy the hype. He had an awesome game, incredible game. Finally, it's, it's actually surprising he's still in the NFL. Now, I'm burned because the Panthers drafted him. I think it was the second round. Never panned out. He was always injured. And he's finally, what is this, year four or five? He's, I feel like he's been in the league forever. He's finally doing something. He has a big week one. Please do not waste your waiver wire dollars on him. Um, if, if you got a deep bench and, all right, fine. You have low expectations, okay. But if you think Curtis Samuel is going to be a, a wide receiver two or wide receiver three this season, week in, week out, I'm not willing to do it. I'm sorry. I'm not willing to do it. So I'm not putting my name. Uh, and I loved Curtis Samuel coming out when he was a Panther, uh, but not now. No, thank you. Uh, any other waiver wire uh, thoughts? As yeah, we wrap so things up? We, already, we already mentioned Josh Palmer before. You should definitely get him if Keenan Allen is going to be out. Another uh, Washington receiver, though, Jahan Dotson had a big game week one. I think this one's a little bit more sustainable, though, because yes, we knew he was going to be the number two. He confirmed it here week one. Rookie is only going to get better this season. I think he's someone, if he's on waivers, you should definitely pick up. And then Julio Jones is someone who I have on some teams. But Chris Godwin, you know, miracle of health. He was able to play week one after tearing his ACL last year, but then also gets re-injured in week one. So if he is missing time, Julio Jones looked great against the Cowboys. You know, they were like having running plays with him. They were turning him into Debo Samuel late in this point of his career. So, I mean, Julio Jones could be a real player in the Tampa Bay offense if uh, Chris Godwin misses an extended amount of time as the wide receiver too there. So I'm, I'm willing to take a flyer on Taysom Hill. It's intriguing. He's a quarterback, mm -hmm. has tight end eligibility. They used him. He might score a touchdown every other week, potentially. So there's some interest there. I'm not going to get OJ Howard again. He's another guy that's just burned us over and over. There is some talent there. He's a former number one pick or top you know, first round pick uh, in the NFL. Eh, let, 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 we got to wait and see on that. Let, let's yeah. not get overly excited there. I actually still like Brevin Jordan as the tight end in, in Houston. So I'm going to pump the brakes on, on Howard. Um, and I do like DJ Chark in, uh, in Detroit. He, he's shown over the years. He can be a, a legitimate wide receiving uh, threat. Uh, so, so to compliment St. Brown, I'm good with that. So final, final note on OJ Howard, you know, he gets the big stat line for getting two touchdowns, but he also only had two catches. And when you look <laughs> at the snap counts of how the tight ends shaked out in the Texans, you know, Brevin Jordan played 60% of the snaps. OJ Howard only played 12% of the snaps. So he just got extremely lucky that, you know, the five snaps when he was on the field, he caught two touchdowns. I don't think he's a legit contributor in the offense, though. So I would not go rush to get OJ Howard and hope he's going to be the next great tight end. That's right. Absolutely. Well, awesome show. So glad to, to have the season started. And here we go. We'll be with you each Tuesday, 1045 a.m. Eastern. 
We're live. Great to be with you. And thanks, everybody, that listens to the podcast later. Rate, review, subscribe, share. We really appreciate all of it. And, and we hope that you uh, join us each week. We hope you have a great rest of your day. For Harrison, I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin, who's resurrected, and through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as fantasy managers who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. Have an awesome week. Enjoy the games. They get going again on Thursday, so get the chores done Tuesday, Wednesday night. Spend some time with your loved ones, and the games begin on Thursday. You still spend time with them on the weekend, but you know you know how it goes. So, uh, so enjoy, and uh, again, what is your perspective? That was the theme today. What is your perspective? Let's have an eternal perspective, a Bible-based God-centered, Jesus-focused perspective as we approach each day. So be encouraged and have an awesome day living for Jesus. I'm Bryce. Have a great one. This has been the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast presented by MediShare.